Comics. This is one of your hosts, Brett White. And this is your other host, Matt Little. Happy New Year, Yeah, welcome back uh, to the podcast. Took a couple weeks off. We got out of that elevator. Yeah, we did. In multiple pieces. Yeah. Four pieces, because there were four people trapped in it. Yeah, yeah. All still in one piece. Trapped in it. We very much uh, understand what R. Kelly went through. Yeah. It was like a closet that goes up and down. Yeah, we'll be in a, there'll be a 40-part <laughs> rap mm-hmm. odyssey mm-hmm. podcast coming We're passing us. around the package. Is yeah. the package HIV? I don't know. Is that what the later chapters are about? Oh, and you guys have you guys seen anything beyond chapter 12? No. No. Oh, no, no, I think I've seen up to 25, I think. I think I stopped somewhere around 15. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> you don't miss much after that. And uh, whenever they did the world premiere over Thanksgiving for the new chapters on IFC... <laughs> Uh, we were so excited, sat down, watched it, and mm-hmm. it was a mess. They answered no questions, and in fact, just <laughs> added more. So lost. Yeah, basically. It R. Was, Kelly's lost. Yeah, right. that's that's what it should be called. Yeah. Lost uh, in the closet. <laughs> and we're also here with uh, John Gutierrez. Hello. Goobs! Yeah. Uh, who you know if you ever read Twisted Toy Fair Theater in Toy Fair Magazine. Yeah. The most beloved magazine uh about toys yeah i think so i think Uh uh-huh i think so most beloved magazine of the comic books uh culture of the ever what is the what's the competition because they don't make magazines really anymore (laughs) that's true i feel like toy fair like the happiest thing about toy fair is i don't think anyone had anything ever against toy fair and people keep coming up to me and say, hey, I used to read Toy Fair. I got nothing against Toy Fair. Yeah. And they just keep bringing it up. But yeah. Inquest, FMDs. <laughs> uh, yeah, so me and Goots worked together for my my year at Wizard, which overlapped with your last year at Wizard. Yeah. So there will be some dirt being dished. I'm not going to lie. Uh, Goots, Goots is also a, a very funny comedian, writer, performer. Um he has uh, he has been on Herald teams at the UCB Theater, like many of our friends that we've yeah. had on the show. Mod teams, beta teams. Sketch writer, you were uh, most recently a writer at Fuse. Yes, until 6 o'clock this evening. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and this is going up on Sunday, so you're, yeah, you're very... <laughs> you're... I apologize to spoil the... The illusion that this is live. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. We're in your ears. Yeah. <laughs> in your ear jam. Yeah. That's what it is, guys. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, I'll say, too, um, I, I would watch Goots perform at the UCB Theater, and he's tremendously funny. And uh, and I when I found out that you wrote for Twisted Toy Fair Theater, I was so jealous. I was, I was like, incredibly jealous uh, yeah. because it seemed like like the perfect intersection of, like, my loves of comedy and comic books. And I was like, God, he's living the dream. When did you, what was your tenure with that, with, with Twisted Toy Fair Theater? Like, what was your time writing for it? Um, oh, I, I can't remember because it was all a blur. Uh, you left Wizard in, I was there spring 08 to spring 09, if that helps put your time <laughs> in. <laughs> it does a little bit. I actually <laughs> continued working on it. I left Wizard, I think, the, I want to say September, yeah, yeah. September 08. I continued writing and storyboarding Twisted Toy Fair Theater until the end. After Toy Fair ended, it became Twisted Toy Theater when it was that... Oh, it was on a website, right? Yeah, it was on a newsletter that they put out. <laughs> News, oh, that no was one, their... 
some of the best things I think we ever did were never seen because they were put out in PDF form <laughs> and, and emailed to people. We did a, uh. a set multi-part ep- epic of the end of our Star Trek stuff. Like, the last strip that TTT did that I don't think anyone ever read Aww. was, I think, my favorite thing we ever did where Spock finally gets fed up with Kirk, who was just being Kirk and being a jerk, and Spock's... Kirk the jerk! Yeah, he seceded from the Federation, and it became <laughs> this big civil war in the middle of it, and it was wonderful. <clears throat> And, and, wow, that sounds very egotistical. It was amazing. This thing that I what? helped create. No, no, but like no. speaking, of, like to put it in perspective, Toy Fair. I'm Toy Fair came out when I was in fifth or sixth grade. I think was when the first when the first specials came out. Oh yeah, and I bought mm-hmm. those specials. I was like, this is amazing. They would do quarterly specials. Yeah, and yeah. I was flipped out over them. Um, the first one was the Venom in Spider-Man cover, and the other one was the X-Men uh, Cockrum cover. Those I were think two of so. them. There was another one that was a Star Wars cover. Yes, it was the yeah. Adat. No, yeah. the Adat was issue one, I think. I think yeah. it might have been. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this is me. Of course, this is going to be this is going to make perfect sense to Matt probably when he hears this. Before I had Excel, I used to keep charts of things in Microsoft Word. Oh, or no, I think Word. it was like Word. Like not even before Microsoft. Oh, uh, Word Perfect. <clears throat> yeah, and I had. A top ten favorite characters list. Of course you do. <laughs> and every Wednesday when I would buy comics, the characters in those comics would then be eligible to either move up or down. Oh, come on. You had top. power rankings that yeah. you weekly updated? Yeah, in eighth grade. Amazing. And, and Migo Spidey was regularly in like the top 20, sometimes the top 10. And also I had... <laughs> so, so it didn't... It wasn't just... It wasn't, there wasn't a constriction to just uh, weekly superhero books. It could it, also be iterations of characters outside there of... There was. And then, I love Twisted Toy Fair Theater so much that I, like, broke my own rules. I was like, Migo Spidey goes on the list. M- Migo Spidey was an amazing character. Yeah. Uh, I loved... Uh, hilarious. Who was responsible for creating Migo? Do you know about his creation? His creation? Well, no. Well, he was in the first... Even before there was a Twisted Toy Fair Theater, oh, yeah. it was the Spider Macarena... It was. Oh, it was the comic that. strip. Wasn't think, it just on the bottom of all the pages? Well, kind of the actually before even before that they did a a thing on the God. bottom of it, which was all of the Spider-Man action figures, and it was just little commentary, little as yeah. they were talking about it. And then I think it might have been even the same issue. They did a little demonstration of how to do the Macarena with Amigo Spidey, and then that was popular enough that they kept. Going. This was long before I got there. Yeah. This was back. Uh, it was Tom Root and um, Pat McCallum and Doug Goldstein uh, and Matt Senreich, and that was just them doing these. It just was that, and then they did a little one where it was Spider-Man hunting Jawas who had escaped through the magazine. Yes. He was hunting them. Down oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And then it developed into the actual strip. But and uh, one of those guys went on to do something pretty popular. If I do recall correctly, uh, several of them went on to do. Very yeah, yeah, they all. Well, they all robot, work on robot, robot chicken. chicken yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, they all do. Yeah. Tom right. Root is one of the executive yeah. producers, right? And, oh, and Matt Senreich and, and, and Doug Goldstein. Yeah. Oh, right, Doug Goldstein. Yeah. Duh. Yeah. So Doug. Another one of those things where Wizard had something, and then flitted away. Yeah, because um, then again, it became Sweet J Presents. That was the whole thing with Robot Chicken. Mm. Seth Green started working. And they did little animated shorts uh, for, online for Sony. For oh, I wow. think it was Screen Blast. I think was it. It was like six or seven little ones. And that was when Zach Zach O yeah. of Toy Fair. I know he helped on those. 
and Seth Green premiered it on Conan O'Brien, just showed it. <laughs> yeah. And that became Robot Chicken. But yeah, it was most of the... Back then, it was most of the guys from Robot Chicken. I think Pat McCallum was the only one that didn't go on to Robot Chicken. I think they asked him to. I remember he, them he saying... He stayed at Wizard, didn't he? He stayed at Wizard, yeah. Until like almost time. the very end, right? A little ways before I the end. I think he was before... Yeah. Okay. I think he left before I got there. Cause I oh, remember. yeah. Okay, okay. Um, but I mean, we got... Obviously, there's a lot of stuff to talk about before we jump into the before we go down this rabbit hole. Before rabbit we hole travel down, way way down the wizard hole, <laughs> well, that sounds kind of gross. Yeah. Uh, uh, it was it was a weird building. <laughs> it, was, I, it was simultaneously the worst place to work at times yeah. and the greatest job I've ever had. Yeah. And, and yeah. the worst part was not the people generally. Yes, the people that I worked with at Toy Fair are still. My best friends in the world. Yeah. Like, Justin Ackland, Zach Oat, uh, Adam Tracy, just amazing people. Yeah. I'm so happy. Yeah, Tracy's hilarious, man. Yeah. He's a lot of fun. <laughs> um, Ackland's great, too. Yeah. yeah. Like, the, the salad days, when I, I feel like I got there right at the be- the end of the salad days of Wizard. Where at five, you feel like you got there at the end. I feel like because I got there. <laughs> you, you when were, they were carting the bodies out. When, <laughs> when, when Goots would walk in the building at that point, they would play uh, "Glamour Boys" by Living Color. The Glamour Boys, and you would just swagger in like George Jefferson <laughs> every day. Well, when I got there um, at five o'clock every day, everyone would just get up from their desks, and we'd strung two Xboxes across the office. And everyone would just stop and play Halo for the next three or four hours. Then if it was a Tuesday, we'd all go to a house that Mike Cotton and Senreich and Goldstein lived in. And we'd watch Buffy and Angel and whatever just happened to be on until like 10 o'clock at night. And then we'd go home and then come back and, and put out a magazine. Oh, yeah, fuck like, you guys. That sounds so much... <laughs> it's like that's awesome. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, that did not happen when I was there. Yeah. Um, so before we get down that hole, though, yeah, exactly. uh, we should announce that uh, we, we're going to announce next week's book club pick. And it's back, babies. It is it is a doozy. And this is something that is very close to Brett's heart. Uh-huh. I, yeah, you're about to learn a lot about me next week. <laughs> That's true. Uh, we're reading Gotham Central number 6 through 10, The Half-A-Life Story. Yes. Written by Greg Rucka and penciled by Michael Lark. With colors by Matt Hollingsworth. Matt Hollingsworth. And I wish I knew the letterer's name uh, at this point. Edited by Matt by Matt Idelson. Okay. Um, it's a great story. I do believe it won the Eisner. Uh, it stars the lovely Renee Montoya and a traumatic incident in her life as well as some Two-Face action. Yes, which I believe it also won a GLAAD award. Probably. Which is foreshadowing if you don't know yeah. quite what happens in that story. And if you don't know what the GLAAD awards, look it up because next week's podcast is going to win one. That's right. Uh, it's not a not not a trash bag award. Yeah. Uh, but yes, glad bags. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I wasn't uh, right. Uh, next week we will be joined uh, by the lovely and returning Ms. Nicole Dressel. Yes, um, back in the saddle again. Fan favorite Nicole Dressel, I should say. Very much. Uh, the, oh, the, the people love her. People yeah. love her. She's she's great. She's great fun. She's great fun. And also on the show we have Anna Rubanova, who is a hilarious comedian at the uh, Upper Sisonsbury Theater in New York, as well as part of the Left Handed Radio. So you've heard her voice before. On Spider-Man 4 and The Dark Knight 4. Yes. Uh, and I'm assuming on left-handed radio because you guys all go over there and listen to that too, right? Yeah. Stroke you, my ego. Please stroke my ego. Everything we promote, you do. 
Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so tune in next week. Tell all your friends. Holla at your boys. Yeah, and uh, pick that uh, pick that story up. Uh, love to tweet at us. Uh, let us know what you think of it. Um, it's uh, it's it's intense. Yes, it's really great. Um, now, how's about that hole? <laughs> how's about that hole? Yeah. That's how you introduce this conversation. Yeah, I don't know. How's about that how's hole? A, how did you jump down that hole? Hey, oh, how, I don't even know if I know this story. How did you get a job at Wizard? Um, I got a job at Wizard because of Zach Oat, who was a friend of mine in high school. Really? And weirdly, I even knew him back. We went to a private school. Uh, I was in eighth grade. He was in sixth grade. That was where how we first up? met. Um, in southeastern Connecticut. Okay. Uh, in uh, Groton, which is where Mystic of Mystic Pizza fame is. Oh. Um, yeah, so we ended up going to a private school in Stony Cove, Pine Point, full of very rich people and us. Um, <laughs> and then, That's how you knew each other. You were yeah. the two not rich people there. Yeah. Uh, and then weirdly, a couple years later, um, he came to, to my high school. Uh, he transferred in because he went to, I think, I can never remember if it was Bermuda or St. Thomas he lived in for a couple years. Oh, wow. My he, gut. Yeah, his dad was uh, editor of a newspaper and got went down there for a little while. But then he came back and we happened to reconnect in high school and then we all had the same group of friends together. Oh, wow. And we became big friends. And so I went, um, uh, yeah, we, we all knew th- each other through college and all that. Uh, we didn't go together, but we knew each other. And then I went to Miami and failed as a journalist in Miami and then came back <laughs> up and was looking for a job. And Zach said, hey, you know, we have an editor opening at Toy Fair. You should come and, and, and take that. Oh, so geez. I took the test. What, what year, what year was, was this? Oh. What was the test and what year was this? Yeah, yeah. Sorry. This, uh, this was, um, this was uh, the beginning of 2002. Okay. Um, and it was an editing test. <laughs> it was an editing test. And this tells you how horrible an editor I was. <laughs> I took, they gave me an, an old article of Toy Fair to edit. Which was on collecting, like, it was a news release about a new Spider-Man. I think it was the Spider-Hulk line. Okay. From that. Then they <laughs> put me in what would later become my office, which was essentially a large closet near the research library. They just sat me down and they, they gave me the copy and they're like, hey, edit this to the best you can. And I realized I remembered the article and they had put me in a room with that copy of Toy Fair in it. So I was able to say, well, I know where this is. I pulled it out. They had it on the wall. I pulled it out, had the article, and copied it. No! And did not get the job. (laughs) They said, I'm sorry, your copy editing skills are not good enough. Because I... I was a writer, but I was not really an editor. I'd never yeah. really done copy editing. They taught me it in college, but I never really did anything. So I never really remembered punctuation. So I, I failed. And all through my years at, at Toy Fair, I kept trying to become... Because I was the Price Guide editor, and I wanted to be a regular editor. Yeah. So I kept doing it. And Joe Yanarella, the the main high editor yeah. was even kind of tutoring me at one point because I kept uh-huh. like asking like how can I get better at this and he's like well you could work on this and this and he would read copy that I do because I when they started the website I started writing articles yeah. just Every, like reviews yeah. and things like that Oof. not before it was mandatory I just was <laughs> yeah, no, so no one else was doing it doing that. <laughs> um, fucking and, website Ugh. but he actually told me at one point he thought that I was the worst copy editor he had ever seen wow <laughs> bar none and wow so I just stayed as the price guide editor which meant sitting in a closet for eight or nine hours a day. But I do remember, Amazing. I don't know if you told me this during your time there, when, like, 
I, when I got there was when the survivor phase ha- started happening where there was a firing every Thursday and if they missed a week they made up for it with two firings the next week yeah. and I remember you saying something like no I'm the only person here that knows how to edit the price guide and the only one that knows how to use the software like I've made myself unfireable yeah <laughs> it really was and it, the thing that saved me was that there had been talk the whole time that I was there of like should we cut the price guide what is the point of the price guide? We have a price guide in our magazine when anyone could go on eBay and yeah. see how much action figures are going for. But there was this belief in the company that you couldn't do a magazine without a price guide. Amazing. Which, which is why the anime magazine, for the longest time, had a price guide that I would do. And we kept saying, there is no price guide necessary for an anime guide. Like, anime DVDs are as much as anime DVDs are. Yeah, yeah, the price guide is Suncoast's selection of anime. Exactly. So it took, like, if you look through Anime Insider, which became Anime Invasion, or actually it reversed. It yeah, yeah. Anime, yeah. The first five or six issues has a price guide for manga and anime like reprints of Japanese manga that no one was collecting <laughs> I gotta I gotta figure out what the issue one of Domu is worth it's all just retail price all $9.99 yeah that's <laughs> all yeah. It, and it really was that yeah uh, but I was really checking it for some reason looking back I was so conscientious about this job that no one cared about <laughs> that I was actually checking to make sure that all the manga yes the manga is still cover price <laughs> from everything that Viz has put out this month that's <laughs> Amazing. Well, but so you um, when did you actually get hired to be the press guy editor? If that was two thousand two, that was, was two thousand two. Like a... Yeah, um, it was almost immediately they they said we don't want you for this job that you <laughs> interviewed for, but we've got this opening for price guide. Would you like to do that? And I was like, sure. Why not? Yeah, that's yeah. eerily similar to how I got a job there, which was I. My friend Ethan Kay, who mm-hmm. is another improviser, who was a freelancer for Toy Fair. Oh yeah, I used uh, to. Freelance stuff out for him for the press yeah. guide. Yeah. Oh yeah. He um and he recommended he was like friends with Dan Riley, who was the researcher at Wizard, and said that there was like a research assistant position open. So I I I went out and interviewed for that. Like I was leaving my job that I had and like working at Wizard was great, but I live in New York City and I remember the day getting from New York City to Congress was insane because also Wizard's address was Tin Wells Street yeah. or whatever. Is that what it was? Like it doesn't show up on Google Maps. Like, it, it takes you to a subdivision. And and I remember, like, I had no idea how to get there. I had to take a bus. The bus, like, dropped me off at that grocery store. And then I just had to, like, call a car company and give them the address. They took me to a subdivision. And I was like, where the fuck am I? Wow. And I had to call Dan Riley. And he'd be like, oh, you just have to go out and then come back around. Yeah, if I remember right, the day I went for my interview at Toy Fair, I got home and there was a message from Zach who had set up the interview and it was after I had left for the day. Yeah. It took me like two and a half hours yes. to drive. But he was like, please keep in mind. And like he gave me better directions. Because <laughs> I found out later that several people had gone in for interviews. And the GPS and like people looking yeah. up would just deliver you to a field. Yeah. And he said that one wow. person who interviewed literally stopped at the field and just kept walking as far as he could through fields and through subdivisions. <laughs> yeah. Because they delivered him in the wrong place. And he's just like, I'll keep walking in this direction. It's wizard, man. <laughs> yeah. That's... I didn't get that job, but I got hired to be in the conventions department. It's, so the, it's, like the, it's the invisible fortress of solitude is yeah. what I thought that was. That's amazing. <laughs> I did... I actually wrote two pieces for the Toy Fair price guide. You did? I did. I did in 2007, I think. 
2000. Yeah, I when I got access to the Wizard Rolodex, I basically just made a note of like there are so many UCB people in there. Like Chris Gethard yeah. was in there, John Gabrus, you were in there. Yeah, Gabrus uh, Gabrus did a bunch, right? I'm trying to remember because I know that I farmed it out to a, as basically anyone as like if anyone wants freelance work. I know I got work for. I think Curtis Gwynn. Yep. I think was, I got yeah. him to do that. I know I helped out back at one point. They did a, I don't know why, a wizard article on, like, who wears it well. Like, it, it was doing, like, a Project Runway type thing about superhero yeah. costumes. And I got just everyone that I knew, like, I don't remember, like, Sean Hart, I think, wrote yeah, some stuff I think for that. Was, I, and, wow. I don't know why I went through the Raw decks so, so, so <laughs> yeah. thoroughly. But... I also this this is this just occurred to me and it occurred to me a couple days ago. Do we need to explain to whatever listeners we have what wizard was? Well, I think that might be fair, just briefly, because it's it's now been gone. Yeah, it's been gone for a long time, but it's really officially been gone for two years now. Because I think I think so. Yeah, uh, twenty ten. It was weird. The day I was I was at a temp job, and I read. I got the the news. I think Adam actually G chimed. It was like wizard ceasing. It's all ceasing. It's all stop print. The same morning that I found out that my uh, the the comic book store that I went to all through middle school and high school burned down. <laughs> it was like the same day. Oh yeah. And I just had to like excuse myself. I was like, this is too much comic book death <laughs> happening around. <laughs> why why aren't those deaths retconned? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, I wish I could. Um, See, I think I have a, sa- a similar memory from the same day. Yeah. Because I got a call. Because at that point, after I left Toy Fair, they still they they contact me a little while later, and they're like, "Well, we can't get someone to do the price guide the way you were doing. Would you be willing to do it on a, a freelance basis?" And I was like, "I don't know. It's a lot of work." And they quoted me a good price, so I was like, "Fine." So it would be essentially like three straight days of work. I would just stay up. And check everything in the guide and, and write it out. And it was a lot of work and all that, but they were paying me a good amount of money. And it was yeah. just all above what I was making in my other job. So I was just doing it. And then I just said, well, you know, I'm making enough money. I've got enough saved. I'll just work on the freelance toy fair. So I left my other job. And I was like, that's great. I To celebrate, I went to Disney World <laughs> with my now wife. And I remember I, those pictures. You guys looked... Oh, those were great. Oh, thank you. But <laughs> I was so happy. I was like, I got everything taken care of. I've, you know, I've quit that job. I'll just work on freelance. I'll get other things. And <laughs> we were at the Indiana Jones stunt show. <laughs> watching it, and I get a call, and it's Justin Ackland. And he's like, uh, I got bad news. We're going to have to cut you as a freelancer. No. Because we are cutting the guide, and the magazine is ending. No. <laughs> And I feel so bad, and I, I need to apologize more to him. I think I've apologized since, but I need to apologize again, because <laughs> all it ma- immediately hit me was, I, I think I reflexively went into like guilt, like, oh, I just quit my job. I don't think you're going to understand. And then later on, I was like, wait a second, this is his magazine that's yeah. ending. Yeah. Why am I making him feel bad <laughs> oh, about sure. a freelancer not yeah. getting as much? Because he was still offering me some money to do other work. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, uh, oh, just so self-absorbed. And no, I, that's you, were, you were trapped within your own personal temple of doom. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but <laughs> I never got to see the end of the Sun Show. <laughs> um, Wizard Magazine was... To everyone who doesn't know what it is, which is shocking to me that is actually probably the case, and sad that that's going to be the case, was it's going to be this weird blip. Uh, no, it's it, not a blip. It was a cultural... It's, it it's was, a but it's, it's of... going to... But it's going to... I don't know. I'm, I, it, 
Look, people don't people have a vague recollection of what the comics buyer's guide is. But in the yeah. 80s, it was it was basically like the level of well, I wouldn't say I I, I can't compare because I wasn't in the direct market yeah. atmosphere when uh, in the 80s I was still a newsstand guy as a child, but guy as a child, whatever. Um, but the comics buyer's guide, people like we'll still talk about that, yeah. you know. People will always talk about Wizard yeah, because Wizard, it was a cultural touchstone what? within the comic book industry. Anytime you're talking, I mean, Wizard was a magazine founded by Garib Sheamus. <laughs> yes, because uh, he wanted to sell more valiant comic books. Yep, uh, in the early '90s. I'm uh, being cynical about was, things that I have no actual personal relationship. To. Um, and it was, it was essentially Rolling Stone or Entertainment Weekly, you know, for comic books. It was the first yes. time that you got like. Gossip, dirt, in-depth interviews, reviews, yes. comedy, all in a magazine form. It wasn't as Andy cut- Bangles, Hollywood yeah. Heroes. It wasn't uh, as cut Brutes and, and Babes by Bart Sears. Yeah, it, um, how, the, how to draw features, they would have fan art. It was basically yeah. like the internet before yeah. the internet was the internet. Yeah, it was all just sort of located. They had like five pages of fan mail. And was it Mike Cotton that turned it into like the funniest... Letters column yeah, it was, in it was all of comics. Yeah. Like in the nineties, that thing was so funny. And Chris Our, Ward was largely. Oh funny. yeah. Oh really? Yeah. Wait, MC Chris or no, no, the uh, other one. Yeah, the other Chris. Ward. Yeah, the other one. Yeah. yeah. I didn't, was, did MC Chris ever do anything with? Toys? We used him a lot. I we exploited MC Chris. Well, not exploited is a wrong term, but we, any excuse we could find to put MC Chris in it, we were just all fans. Yeah, yeah. So we did have interviews and things like that. And, yeah, and stuff. <laughs> Um, but in the, I mean, Wizard also didn't hurt that Wizard came at the perfect time for this exact thing. It came in the early 90s boom. It was like Image yeah. Comics. It was Tom McFarlane, Rob Liefeld. It was yeah. X-Men cartoon, you know. And also uh, uh, forced spinoffs. Or yeah. not spinoffs, but uh, competitive magazines. Heroes. Anyone remember Heroes Illustrated? Oh, vaguely, yeah. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's the immediate, that was the yeah. number two Comics magazine, I think. Wizard outlasted Wizard. all of them. Oh yeah, uh, Heroes Illustrated, I think, lasted until the bubble burst in like ninety okay. five, ninety six. It started in yeah. like ninety. But like, four? I don't know. I remember being. I was on a trip in Gatlinburg, in Pigeon Forge, Gatlinburg, Tennessee. I've told the story before, I think, because you made a joke about Pigeon Forge. Pigeon Forge. Forge. Uh, and I came across the very first Wizard comic I ever got was the. Uh, 30th anniversary X-Men comic. Mm-hmm. The the special, like, gatefold Andy Kubert fold-out holofoil thing. And I got that in a weird bookshop. I don't know why it was there in a, in a weird tourist trap area of Tennessee. And I got that. And it was like, there are magazines about comic books? Yeah. Wizard was so key in me learning about everything that wasn't X-Men. Like, I know that, uh, like... That, that Catwoman costume and her and the big jugs that we're going to reference next week in the episode. Yeah, yeah. I only know because they plaster those covers of Lady Death. I only know that Lady Death was a thing because of Wizard. Like, oh, yeah. I picked up a lot of stuff because of Wizard. I, uh, you know, I would, I checked out Lady Death. I checked out Evil Ernie. Yeah, you checked out uh, Lady Death. I, 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 started, I started picking up event comics books. Yeah. Uh, like, I, you know, I followed Ash every two years when an issue would come out. <laughs> Um, Burn. But there were, there, there. To be fair, for all the for all the ragging on Wizard, it also did. Um, it also, th- th- there were people with taste that worked there. There were people Everyone. that that yeah. had that had the great ideas. Yeah. That's just sort of how pop culture magazines work. Like yeah. you have to appeal to a certain base. And trust me, I was 
part of that base to whom they were appealing. Yeah. But you also, there are also people, you're going to get references to the things that you want to get in there. Like, yeah. you look at Rolling, I was going to say Rolling Stone, but like, you look at like a music magazine or something like that, and it's mostly about pop stars, but every once in a while you're going to yeah. be able to, I was going to say Grizzly Bear, but they're sort of mainstream now, right? I <laughs> yeah. don't know. It's uh, accurate reference here. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, you're going to get a feature about Grimes. <clears throat> yeah. You know. Well, and that's the thing with Wizard. Like, after, when I got there and then was meeting all those people, it's like, oh, everyone here is great. Everyone here is awesome. All the shit that people talk about Wizard is all 100% from the weird, shady, financial, crazy shit that the higher-ups did. That was front that, office stuff. Yeah, that we right. were all... Uh, <laughs> had thrust upon us or whatever. Yeah, it was entirely, it was literally a tiered system because all of yeah. the creative, amazing people, and I'd like to take the time to say that everyone that I got to meet at Wizard and Toy Fair and Anime, really some of the most talented, wonderful people, people I yeah. still consider my best friends. People oh, we don't on... have time for that shit. We're going to cut that. <laughs> I'm sorry. sorry. So anyway... <laughs> Well, Everyone that have gotten me like Ryan Panagos, uh, yeah. Ben Morris, Ricky Purden, Jim Gibbons, like all these people now work at Dark Horse, Marvel, yeah. DC, like go on to do all sorts of amazing stuff. And where yeah. they get their start was at this crazy, ridiculous place that was so much fun, but also insane. <laughs> well, yeah. So, so you guys, you guys were both there at the same time, and you know, for all of the for all of the sort of frustrations and stuff that you know, like that. Wait, what? What did that? What did the magazine mean to you guys? Like in terms of where you were as a fan and where you were as someone who was entrenched fully within the comics industry at that point. Well, here's where I have to make a weird uh, confession. I didn't always read Wizard. It was going on right <laughs> next door, and I wrote some stuff for it. But I I'd, I'd read it as much as I you know like as I could. Sure. But I was always much more passionate about Toy Fair. Oh, yeah. Like, that was my whole deal was just... Well, and when Toy Fair came out in, like, 97, I think was when the first... Like, 96, so, yeah. 97, I, I was reading Wizard fat, passionately. Toy Fair came out in... Toy Fair Eclipse. It was almost like Parks and Rec versus The Office, in a way. <laughs> it was it's, like, the, Toy the, Fair took it to a next the level. The quality of the writing in Toy Fair, and this isn't a disrespect to the great people that worked at Wizard, but the... But, it it definitely I thought it was uh, there was a it was sharper, I think and uh, and sillier and it was just more fun. Definitely it seemed like there so, yeah. was a much more fun vibe, and maybe it was just because it was new. Yeah. Well, I think that also, and again, I can't. I, I hate to say it, I can't really say so much about the Wizard editorial because they had the Wizard editorial bullpen was a, a slightly different, farther away, and we were kind of clustered together. And then you had your closet. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I was sentenced to my closet for... Sentenced. Uh, for, <laughs> sentenced. I was. For uh, roughly a year and a half to two years, oh, wow. I was in that. All because there was... I was told there was concern that there were shenanigans going on in the Toy Fair office. People weren't getting work done. So it was decided <laughs> that I would move from my desk in the Toy Fair office to this closet uh -huh. and Joe Yanarella, our main editor, would take my seat and sit with the Toy Fair people to make sure that it was getting done. And then <laughs> after he left, they still were like, well, you know, you can just stay where you are. And so I would have to walk all the way across the building to for meetings <laughs> yeah. and things like that. Aww. It was so weird. And that was where I shared that office with Ryan Panagos, who <laughs> was the comic book price guide editor. 
and we would just sit in this tiny office and chat and sit there alone from everyone else. <laughs> yeah. They later made it a photo closet. That's wow. what that, okay. Yeah. yeah, I was wondering, I was trying to picture out where that was. Yeah, the photo, those where Alex Kropenak hung out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, who does all the what the for Marvel Comics. Amazing work. you also write for. Yeah. Alex sent out a great Christmas card. Oh, yeah. This year, by the way, yeah, it's Alex very funny. Great. The uh, Deadpool. Oh, yeah. Man, that was awesome. Yeah. Uh, oh, but the, the writing at Toy Fair, I, f- I feel like we really, because we really knew that a lot of it, the humor was great stuff. Well, the, the humor was our priority. I keep accidentally making it, so, like, I'm complimenting the work we've done. Yeah. But, like, things like a lot of the captions and the big shots that we would do, we had a process where we would, you know, just have those random, seemingly random little cartoons with the, the yeah. captions and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And what we would, the process for that was we would we would make them up, we'd shoot them randomly, we'd have our photographer shoot them in the back, we'd put them on a clipboard and pass them around. So everyone, there would be, like, nine or ten different uh, word balloon suggestions from everyone, and then we picked the best one. So we were actually like weeding stuff out professionally. We did a yeah. lot of editing to try and make it as good as possible. That's, we were really. I have to imagine yeah. that's how the New Yorker works. Yeah, right. right? Like that's how <laughs> New Yorker cartoons. Work. Well, I, I think that is what, to be honest, that is what gave Toy Fair the edge over Wizard. Toy Fair was a comedy magazine first and foremost. Yeah, and yeah, also and also that's a fair. great toy magazine on under that. But the thing was like. Wizard was funny, but Wizard didn't have the big shots aspect to it. I mean, because even on like the pages were like, "Hey, we went to, to we went to the toy fair this year. Here's photos yeah. of all the toys are coming." You'd still put captions over those. Yeah, yeah. And it was like it was just throughout the magazine was just humor. Well, the thing was too, the 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 late nineties like toy fair came up in an era where <laughs> toys were and big. I would I would say that McFarland toys really. Changed the dynamic of how toys were made. Yeah, because they, you know, Todd McFarlane started this company where you know there was a lot more uh, attention to detail paid, and you were at so you were at Toy Fair at the time when like the Four Horsemen were designing uh, He-Man toys, right? Um. Well, yeah, but that, yeah, I actually that's right. Yeah, we were because we we covered that line. God, I love that line. It was so good, right? I, that was one of the last real lines that I was there hunting for. Yeah. I still have my Toy Fair exclusive faker figure. One of the, oh, yeah. One of the, the proudest things I've ever accomplished. <laughs> <laughs> and I think several people at Toy Fair take credit for this. I'm sure Justin will say the same. But uh, I was the one that suggested that we make an, a blue version of that He-Man and say, let's put out our version of faker. And I'm sure Justin thinks he did it. I'm sure Zach thinks he did it. But, but I, I still have mine up on the shelf. Of, yeah. Yeah, but that, that yeah. The, the level of quality of toys, it, was, it would just happen to be at this great resurgence. Yeah. Like, the stuff back then, that was really... Because, I mean, think before that, you had, like, the original Toy Biz X-Men line. Yeah, that, that yeah. was about it. Yeah. Yeah. Which was... Well, to be fair, too, like, and and it was such a it's it was a such a line. giant it's leap, but that, <laughs> but if you even look at those original, like the original back page ads for the X Men figures, yeah, uh, they're they're very they're very uh, uh, almost pencil esque yeah. in how tight and yeah. how <clears throat> tight they are. They stand and the articulation, and then by the second or third wave, they started to actually get a little yeah. more detail to well, them. Well, then again, that Joe Manorera influence on a couple of them, I remember. Sure. Like, yeah. uh, but the Toy, Fair, Toy Fair's rise kind of paralleled the rise of, like, Kenner's Star Wars figures. 
Yeah, because like, yeah, like the true. first issue was that ad ad. It was basically like the second wave of the Kinner figures was like what and that those... was around uh, the re-releases and Shadows of the Empire. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, and those that Kinner line of Star Wars figures just ruled my life. Oh, really, five years. Oh yeah, yeah. people were mad for hunting. That was a <clears throat> massive. Uh, I will never. I will never forget. I was just in St. Louis at their line of uh, like used secondhand comic toy video game stores called Slackers, and they have. A ridiculous amount of just those 90s Star Wars figures out there and I was showing they have the, the Princess Leia ones mm-hmm. and I was showing Sebastian them, my boyfriend and he was like she looks rough in this and I was like oh yeah Toy Fair once I will never forget did a side by side comparison of uh, of original Princess Leia and a monkey a yeah. capuchin monkey it looks the same and they're like Boosh uh, Princess Leia and Anthony Kiedis it's like yep looks the exact same <laughs> it's like yeah we, used no. to, yeah we used to do a regular column comparing bad action figures with what they really look like. I, yeah. I do remember that. Yeah. I don't remember that specific column. Did though. someone say, like, uh, Dingar looked like Johnny Cash? Yes. Yeah. Because he did. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> yeah. I'm Johnny Dingar. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, I feel like Toy Fair hit just this perfect... Because there's a part that we've gone out now, rising toy prices, like, you don't see, especially at the same price points, you don't see that same... A wave of of toys. There, were the, there was this massive explosion. The collector's market was good. The new places like Palisades was coming out with oh. amazing toys, and yeah. that was you know like we really kind of burst on the scene just a little bit before like Playmates went crazy with the Simpsons lines. And oh stuff yeah, like that. Oh, like, I still have a, a Homer Simpson sitting in my uh, bedroom. It's oh such yeah, a good I, figure. I still have like I've I've kept every Toy Fair exclusive figure. That I ever got. So I think. What was that? Do you have Sync? Sync? From Generation X. No. I'm not sure if I do. A, a funny or Multiple sto- Man? I do have Multiple Man. Yeah. But the funny story was, like, the bank in Congers, like, down the road from Wizard. Yeah. I went in there one day to cash my paycheck, and the kids' area, like, the little quick kids' playset, was just filled with Toy Fair exclusive figures. Oh! It was just a box full of She-Hulks. <laughs> <laughs> That's the name of this episode. Box, box full of, of She-Hulks. Take notice. Yeah. Um, I, that was another thing that drove me crazy about Toy Fair was those exclusive toys. Like, that's where I, that's where I got a Kitty Pride, And that's where I got a Multiple Man, who is my favorite character. And then Multiple Man. Like, I got one. Yeah. I remember Dave Paji when I was there, who was the Wizard Price Guy editor for, during my tenure. I think he had a mug full of Multiple Mans, like, oh, on yeah. his desk. Which is uh, a bunch of them. It's really great to actually hear these names out loud, too, the way that they're actually supposed to be pronounced, because... Uh, I just I butcher names, oh, yeah, and yeah. the way that I hear them in my head is is so different. Like I thought his last name was Pagee. Okay, no, no, no <laughs> not, not even, not, close not even a little bit, not even um, a little bit. No, I mean Wizard was the most. I mean, as I've said, it was like the most important. It was so great. It was a huge influence on me. On me, I definitely fell off around ninety eight, ninety nine. Like that was when I kind of fell off of almost everything, and I was just clinging desperately to like. Peter David's Captain Marvel and JMS's Amazing Spider-Man. Like, for those three years or whatever, I didn't read a lot. So I didn't buy... I stopped buying Wizard and Toy Fair. But it still, like, is submitted in my brain like Muppet Babies and, like, Empire Strikes Back. It's just, like, these things that are just fundamental to my being. Because I loved it so much. So then when I got that job there, it was... Uh, like, a life... It was like I never in a million years would have imagined. I got my sixth grade 
school picture taken with a wizard magazine. <laughs> like, and I told Dan Riley that, and he was uh, shocked. Or like, just like, oh yeah, thanks. I'm super old. Up until up until this past year, I had a I had a fairly complete. I think it was a complete collection of all of the cards that had come mm. in is they started putting cards oh, yes. in wizard magazines yeah. in like issue six. Yeah. And I had a subscription from I think like around issue thirteen to issue twenty six, somewhere in that range. Uh and that was oh man, my mom was like twenty five dollars for a subscription to a comic <laughs> book magazine. What do you think we're made of money? Uh and uh I, I used to I don't know the the sort of exclusive col- the idea of an exclusive collectible in my mind really originated with Wizard and like those sort of first it was the cards and then they would have the half issues and then they started doing oh yeah uh, then they I've, I've made a lot of money selling those on eBay I had really? I, some yeah some good money like three to four dollars each which is oh. a lot of money when you got when you got them for free yeah yeah <laughs> that yeah, was the yeah. crazy thing about working at Wizard is especially. You never went upstairs, did you? You were gone before they made everyone go upstairs. Oh, well, <clears throat> you, oh, you mean before they actually no the Exodus? No, no, because Wizard, like the the offices at of Wizard, were going there for my interviews. It was literally like going to Willy Wonka's like candy factory. It was like going to where the magic is made. Like you walk in, there's pinball games, cardboard cutouts, a whole bunch of like those Alex Ross twenty four by thirty six photo like oh, yeah. frames. Like, like everyone, they, yeah, yeah. Those you're just eyes. describing like. The end of Raiders in yeah. comic book form. It was, and it you was, walk it, down the hallway. It's like all these exclusive limited prints of things, like framed on the walls. Um, original art from uh, Batman the Animated Series. They yes, had, like a yeah. Cell of things, action figure. There was a Nightcrawler action figure. I think just hanging from the ceiling that I collected so much dust. This was <laughs> like things to the history of that place. It was if you were OCD or didn't like clutter, it was a nightmare. But for a person like me. It just, it reeked of the history of this thing I loved. And being there was amazing. But being there during the lean years, as they were going under, and they had fired so many people, laid off so many people, that there was no longer a need to have it be two floors. Like, downstairs was editorial, upstairs was everything else. And I was upstairs. So they made everyone go upstairs. And didn't they rent out the bottom? Well, I heard that they tried. They to. always tried. Every now and then we'd see like a group of strange-looking people who were obviously not comic book people wandering around, and like yeah, they're seeing the building. Never rented it out. Um, one but of them people, care, one of them leading a camel through. Yeah, it's just very strange people. <laughs> but like when people moved upstairs, they only took the things that were personally theirs or that they actually needed. So the downstairs was just this post-apocalypse nerd wasteland of just. A lot of wizard history just laying around. Like, if you wanted trades, comics, just action figures, exclusives, just in basically... Like, like the rapture had happened. Almost. Like, yeah. everyone just disappeared. It was so weird. Mm. It was really sad. I got Do a you guys, lot of stuff. Did the, I was curious. Did the free table continue until the end? Yeah. Yeah, the one that was in the cafeteria? Yeah, where people yeah, yeah. just... It was one of the beautiful things. At, at you you weren't there the day they cleaned out the inquest cave, were you? I don't think I was. Because they was like they went on this mad cleaning spree, uh-huh. and one day they were like, "Yeah, we just cleaned out the inquest cave," and just a shit ton of '80s Marvel posters. 
Oh, jeez. I remember all of those on the wall. Yeah, which Brett has some, some of them, them on his wall right, right now. Are? Some yeah. of them. <laughs> uh, yeah, like I have, um, I have the X-Women poster by Carl Potts of all of them lounging out at the X-Mansion pool and Rogue and her Confederate flag blanket. I have that uh, mid-80s Ron Friends Spider-Man poster that's like half red and blue and half black costume. Wait, where is that? Uh, it's not up anymore. <laughs> when my when my boyfriend moved in, my some things had to be taken down. Okay. Uh, um, <laughs> I, all the X Men. I have a I have a I have a Rick Leonardi X Men poster. I have um, a couple of Wolverine ones. I gave Bluff Band a, a Captain America one. I think like oh oh there's a the the She Hulk one in my bedroom is a John Byrne She Hulk. Oh, it's gorgeous. It yeah. is gorgeous of her wearing like her workout gear jogging with all these people around her looking up because she is holding a literal live band above her connected to her headphones. <laughs> it's amazing. But like, that was the best day. And everyone was flipping and <laughs> just taking stuff. Oh, I can understand. Oh, there was some amazing stuff on that wall. Yeah. <sighs> you had a question before we went on that oh, yeah. Well, I guess, uh, well, my question was, do you still, do you still sort of follow the toy industry? In any in any way, I do not. I not in any really concerted way of like following it of pricing or anything like that. It's oh, sure. Just, I'm still <laughs> obsessed with. I still have all of the sites that I had compiled that I used to see about news, and I still check them all the time. Oh I'm yeah, Michael Crawford's website. I mean, tons of stuff. Actually, how has the insider. business changed since you quit doing it professionally? Like, is it still as healthy as it was then, or is oh, it? God no, the the bottom's kind of fallen out of it because the price of oil spiked so much in the last couple of years. Like, at the end of, like, the... Uh, like, the original Marvel Legends line, like, mm. it, it just became so expensive to do figures. That's why action figure prices are so much more expensive now. It's so oh, much yeah. more money to do runs that everything's smaller. That's why you see a lot more three three-quarter inch stuff than you do those six-inch... Oh, that makes me really feel sad. Yeah. I wanted them to be doing the Marvel Universe line just because they think that line has integrity or that size is, like, great. Not Now that I realize it's a fucking, like, natural resources thing, it makes me feel sad. Yeah, I remember the first time I first heard about that was back when... Because one of the waves of... Uh, the original idea for one of the waves of Marvel Legends was that they were going to have <laughs> parts to build a Quinjet. Oh yeah! Like each one was going to come with one. You'd be able to assemble this Marvel Legends scale Quinjet, but it was too expensive. And then they and later on they were going to do ones like the Mojo Wave was supposed to come with little X babies. Yeah, like oh. you were supposed to assemble your own one, and they couldn't do it because of the cost of oil. And it just kept going up. And it, it seems like now there's so much. It's either mass market or it's incredibly expensive, like stuff. Hot Toys. Yeah, like you get all of that stuff, like the incredible collectors lines, but. Like, the mid-range stuff, like, the, the stuff, like Palisades used to do, you just don't see it that much anymore. Yeah. There's still amazing stuff being put out, but it's not, like, there was so much stuff on the market yeah. back true. then. It was amazing. It's really, I mean, like, I have two nephews who are per that perfect age. I mean, they're 7 and 11. Um, so they're in that, they should be playing with action figures. I mean, if they were me at that age, then they would be drowning in um, and I just had Christmas with both of them, and I got my younger nephew pretty much every of the new Ninja Turtles figures, but that's it. Like, they don't play with, they play video games. They play video games. Like, that's yeah. it. Um, they don't play with action figures the way I did, where they're, well, this also might just have been me. Yeah. 
But my action figures when I played had like storylines. They followed their accurate characterizations. There were like there was drama, action, oh, hours would, of play. I would take up the I would take up the entirety of a room. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like I would take up the entirety of a room, and you know there would be a couple characters over here, and I would come away from them because I would have side plots across yep. the entire room. Yes. And like can my mom would come in and we, be like, "You should clean these up," and I. Can we she, do this again? What's that? Why can't we play with action figures? Well, there's no reason not to. I mean, just because we're adults. There's no reason <laughs> this not is like, to. This is like the Key and Peele sketch. Because, like, my... I said... Like, yeah, it's like... I said, I, said, I said to her. I don't want my boyfriend to hear that I'm con- contemplating literally playing with action figures. <laughs> it's, well, you know, and I'll, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I have been... I, I have loosely discussed this... But never chased it only because of cost of creating a set. But that's sort of one of the reasons why I have such a, 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 an interest in hero clicks. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Is because it's sort of that marriage of RPG and action figures. Oh, okay. And I love, I love that. But the, the, the cost of actually creating uh, even a, a, starter, a starter set is is uh, yeah. currently prohibitive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were just talking about that in the other room because oh, one of the things we used to do in at Wizard was we used to play HeroClix, and yeah. this was back in when HeroClix first came out. Oh yeah, like yeah. The first first couple waves of it, and uh, our editor in chief Pat McCallum love didn't so much love playing the game so much as creating these insane scenarios of characters you would never see and he would create these insane things that a bunch of us would just play like set a whole saturday together and he created this was back when it first came out so he was creating rules of how to do buildings we had all of these rules of how you could burst through buildings and if you <laughs> he had like punch outs they were all made out of <clears throat> styrofoam core board uh. so if, like, if you broke through like six then the building would collapse and you had a certain amount of damage that you would take and then he would do things like <sighs> he would spend weeks carving out and creating custom figures so that you would get these amazing reveals of like oh who's that behind that wait you've you make it to the middle. Solomon Grundy's there. No, <laughs> and you have to oh, face it out. And like that, <laughs> we went through this massive one. And he was creating like Sentinels before the Sentinels came out, like big figures. And then we had this giant DC one where it was a giant slug match. And then the final reveal at the very end was he created a custom Mister Mind figure with the what? voice box, this tiny one that he'd carved out of the Joker fish that the Joker hero clicks carried. Like he had carved this little. In scale worm, and he oh. was creating it. So we all had to team up to take out Mr. Mine. It was the most insane thing. And he was doing things like he would create, he created this entire Gotham City <clears throat> and Marvel set so we could switch back and forth with detailed giant banners on each of it, which was uh, the mottos were Oscorp. Leader in exploding gourds since 1964, <laughs> and Gotham's Gotham Police Department entirely obsolete since 1939. Uh, <laughs> and he printed these out; they were beautiful. <laughs> Love it! And this he, is incredible. And he used all the resources of the Twisted Toy Fair theater, yeah. like the well, plot where we would create all that stuff. You going mean, there and seeing when I got there and going to see where Dylan Brucey, the amazing photographer, would yeah. shoot. Like, just seeing, like, oh, here's the closet full of Migos, and here is 
the sets that they used. It was so gorgeous. Backdrops. We had tons of big photo backdrops that you could just put behind. Yeah. The um the coolest thing about Toy Fair that I loved was Toy Fair introduced me to the world of customizable action figures. Where every month, like, those customs... I, didn't Wizard... I, I think Wizard ran some custom action figures every now and then? Yeah. I uh, think. Wait, Wizard did? I know Toy Fair Toy did. Fair de- Toy Fair... It was a regular feature of Toy Fair, but I don't know if that was something they adopted from Wizard Magazine. I, I can't remember. I don't think so. I think we <clears> felt... <throat> at one point, we did have a regular column on tips on how to do it. Yes. Like, how to make your own... I remember we had a whole <clears throat> tutorial on how to make your own super soldier from the Amalgam... Universe, oh yeah, like yeah. Sculpting the head and converting yes. it. I because uh, I in like middle school I when I got those magazines I tried to make my own figures which never never yeah. works out. I remember I took an I took an original Invisible Woman figure from the Marvel Heroes line and tried to make her into a uh, meltdown from X Force, oh. better known as Boom Boom. Yeah, and I got so far as basically like painting her midriff the flesh color because I was doing the Adam Polina costume. Uh, that was about as far as I got. <laughs> <clears throat> um, did, were all were all those all those Migos were just hanging out because you guys got custom Migos made for Twisted Toy Fair. Yeah, we had, and it was a sight to see. It was amazing. It was a whole uh, a whole cabinet filled with Marvel, and then we had another one filled with DC that we never used. <laughs> and then each figure yeah. had its own. It was essentially, I think, it was the same boxes that you got trading card those trading card boxes mm. each one each Mego had its own with accessories and sealed in so you could just choose which ones you needed weren't you telling me that you created like you had a character that was made yes it is the proudest thing that I've ever done yeah. <laughs> and I'm assuming when I have children I will still not be as proud of them as I am <laughs> of creating why would the... you why would you well it's one of those things where I competed I campaigned for this character I was like let's use this and I think it took him like a year before uh, Zach and Justin were like, okay, yeah, let's do that. Um, which I think actually Zach might have been gone by then, but it was uh, Golden Age Spider-Man. I was like, why isn't there a Golden Age Spider-Man? So we did a strip where we wrote it up where um, Spider-Man finds Golden Age Spider-Man frozen in a block of ice in his freezer. And he's been frozen there since the, since 1930. And it's hit, it's Spider-Man wearing the flat, Golden Age Flash's helmet. Um, giant boots and trunks and he has guns on his belt and he just talked like an old 19 there he's like oh here's some sass for that peppercorn and then and it's him he takes Spider-Man to become his sidekick and gives him little Robin shorts yes and and takes him out to fight crime and it's still like the again not, not to say sound too egotistical I'm Still think it's the funniest thing we've ever done. Oh. It's just the shot where the tarantula is at an ATM, clearly just checking his bank balance, mm-hmm. and Golden Age Spider Man's like, "Look at that Mexican! He's clearly <laughs> robbing that bank. We gotta do something." He's, he's like, "What are you gonna do? I'll hit him with my web shooters." And he pulls out guns and shoots him. He's like, "What did you send <laughs> your web shooters?" shooters? He's like, "Back in the '30s, we called bullets webs." <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that still makes me happy, but yeah, Golden Age Spider-Man, yeah. oh. I'm still proud of that. Understandably so. Oh, that's so funny. Well, um, did you ever, I mean, Toy Fair was always a big hit at the cons, like there was always a Toy Fair panel at all the Wizard World shows. Yeah, the, the panels went pretty well, we usually had a dedicated group of people, the signings never, <laughs> like we, we, we decided to do signings. 
And we... We had those printed collections. Yeah, those... Yeah. I have three of them in my office. Yeah, and we... It, they were popular, but for some reason, no one we could never compete with the other people at it. And we actually thought about it. And we we're like, well, people don't care about us, but maybe they care about Migo Spidey. So we started doing them as signings with Migo Spidey. So we had a little chair with Migo Spidey <laughs> at the end of a signing thing, and we paid money to have a hand stamp with Migo Spidey's signature made so that people came up, they could stamp it with, you know, love you, Migo Spidey, or something oh. like that. Or like, I didn't want to do this. I can't remember which it was, but it was, yeah, so they could do that and still nobody came. Oh. So. I was hoping it was going to be an uplifting tale of like, and everyone came! No, oh. no we would sit there and then we go back to the wizard wheel of, of fortune. That's the thing that I Boy, people at cons love wheels. Love wheels. Yeah, which is where I got I stole the idea from. Oh, well, no, it was so true. We uh, Brett's the company for which Brett works now. Uh, I volunteered at their at their booth for Comic Con this year, and yeah, uh, there we basically was a, just did the Wizard Trivia Wheel. Yeah, there was yeah. there was a wheel prizes, and the the clacker the clacker apparently uh. someone three rows away, a friend of ours was like wandering the con and said. Um, Three rows away at New York Comic Con, where there are a hundred thousand people wandering yeah. around. So it, the din, the din of white yeah. noise is, is loud. Yeah. So they, someone heard a clacker, three rows away, and looked up as if as if a dog heard a can opener yeah. starting and went, "There's a wheel. There's prizes. Where is it?" And like lost their mind. Yeah. And people <clears throat> just love to win shit. Oh yeah. We like. We had to shut it down because the line was getting so unmanageable that the people next to us couldn't sell anything because their booth was crowded with a line. Uh, and also, <laughs> and we were, weren't se- and we weren't selling anything. No. We were just yeah, and giving people were, away. which was like Ugh. so we. Yeah. And I, I was like, I had to like turn it. I was like, I used to put on comic book conventions. I totally understand. We're stopping this right now. You guys have to sell things. So I was like, Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The, the wizard line was always. Like everyone loved that wheel. Yeah, like, that was. And Wizard would give away cool stuff. For the yeah. most, it was more cool to people getting it. It was our junk we wanted to get rid of. <laughs> Although occasionally, hard think every... statues. Well, there was that, but I know that every con there would be trades that people that were manning the booth would put off to the side and yeah. take home, as I have done. Oh, what yeah. did you? What did you? What did you grab? Uh, there, there was a, actually a really good book on creating graphic novels that was in there that I wanted. And I was like, oh, I want to just yeah. creating comics. So the I yoink pile. Yeah. We don't need to go down the what all did you take from Wizard Entertainment route, do we? We Cause... don't have the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, that's... that's you, you cast the spell of disappearance. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is what you I'm did. I'm just saying, there is a giant two-scale Millennium Falcon uh, figure. Like, no, no, that thing... Uh, I didn't, it's like 200 bucks. I didn't pay for that. that my, my, my old roommate paid... For that, like he used to have that, and when we were moving, uh, I had a van that would have fit through the Holland tu- that was legally allowed to go through the Holland Tunnel, and I fought with the toll booth operator because she told me I couldn't go through, and then told me to go fuck myself, and I went, <laughs> wow. and I went, fuck you, and I slammed my fist down, and I uh, I slammed it right. I I was used to like a car with a middle panel. Uh, and I have anger problems, so I, uh, I, 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 I slammed my fist, and it kept going into the box, 
and uh, and I hit his Millennium Falcon. It didn't break, but pieces went everywhere, and I'm pretty sure he recovered all of them, but I never, uh, I felt... I'm mad at you. Oh, no, oh, oh, no, you should be. You should be. I told him, I was like, if you don't find all the pieces, let me know, and we'll figure out how I can pay you back. If, <clears throat> if that story had involved you hitting a child, I would not be more aghast than I ever <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I, I am shocked, and my world doesn't make sense. <laughs> Chris, uh, Chris Coleman, I'm so sorry. That um, that Millennium Falcon is like a pride. Like, <laughs> it's it's come to the point that, like, it, it fits perfectly on top of a refrigerator. It has now been on top of two refrigerators in my life, and it's like I don't. It doesn't fit anywhere else, and it's to the point where it's like, well, the Millennium Falcon it belongs on the top of the of a refrigerator. That's just where you put a Millennium Falcon. That's oh yeah, that yeah. Big. Anyway. I got I got a lot. Well, on my last day when I was laid off, Dan Riley, who was the guy that was pretty much responsible for getting me the job, like took me to the wizard library and just opened it up and said, "Take two things." Uh, nice. it, he, yeah, I mean, at that point, he was he's such a great guy. Poor. Oh, he is. Uh, we're not going to go into the bad part. Yes, we we also can't. We don't have time to talk about all the great people who were hurt badly <laughs> by wizards. Yeah, who were fucked up. Uh, I will say, I'm kind of surprised. I'm taking stock this month. One of the tasks I've been given by my wife is to start taking stock, because I still have just boxes of stuff oh, that yeah. I've carried around since Wizard, and it's not stuff that I took, but it was stuff that I got through, through oh, yeah. give, giveaways and things like and that. And you've moved I'm, a couple times since then, Yeah, right? I'm, I'm amazed that I'm still carrying around some yeah. of the stuff. Like, I well, still yeah. have big box statues that I have no idea what I'm going to do oh, with. Oh, wow. Well, from when I was an intern at the Late Show back in 06, um, they have a free box at Late Show, and which is amazing because every everything that is released in America comes to Late Show for producers to look at to see if they want to book them on the show. So, yeah, every DVD, every CD, every book, um, and then all the all stuff doesn't get taken by those producers. Then gets put in the free box, and the intern office was literally like view like viewing distance. Eleventh floor copy room was where it was. Yep, and intern alley was like right there, and we could see when a producer was taking a box of stuff over there, and we'd all make a beeline because we're interns, we're not paid, but like we were gonna get our jams, guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm still. I just the other day put out on the sidewalk some books that I took from Late Show that I just had with me for the past six years, um, and I still have just tons of like promo items and stuff for things that I don't need just because they were cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's what we what I was saying earlier about the free table. We had that at Wizard. The whole time we just had this one big table and it was yeah. anything you didn't want and it, a lot of it was just stuff that came to the mag- magazine yeah. and was put on that table and it was amazing. You That was where you could get whole runs of things. That's where I started reading Kuchaka's Superfuckers for yeah. the first time. <laughs> like I remember getting that from there. Just one time, oh, I, I I get it, yeah. Like one time, one time at a job, I for my Christmas bonus, I was given a joke, uh, uh, a hilarious talking keychain. So I get it. Okay, oh, okay, yeah, yeah you yeah. understand yeah. entirely. Trump, Trump it's exactly that's, the same yeah. as getting a Bowen Sandman statue. That's the same. oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretty much pretty much yeah, similar yeah. exactly. Yeah. Are so many of the things that are in my line of sight right now. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh god. Um, it was a yeah weird place. I don't know. I mean, it was the best of times. <laughs> it was the blurst of times. <laughs> Get out of here. Yeah. It, I mean, I, this is our listeners. I hope you've enjoyed this. In my opinion, this is a taste of things I would like to do. I'm very fascinated 
very fascinated with oral histories and very fascinated with Wizard Magazine. And also, part of me is like, the only way I'm ever going to be included in an oral history of Wizard is if I put it together. Because <laughs> I was there for such a tiny amount of time. There's a lot of things at Wizard that I both want to talk about and both am f- afraid to talk about. Yeah. I was wondering that when we when we were like prepping before we started recording. <clears throat> I was like, mm, I wonder if Goots is thinking, oh no, oh no, 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 I don't want to know this is... Yeah. Well, well I mean, I want to talk to like a bunch of the Wizard guys about it just because it is such an interesting thing that I there should be some sort of documentation of all the insane stuff that happened there. Uh, the positive stuff and the negative stuff if it comes up. But I, I think any, everyone that loved, that worked at Wizard like, loves Wizard as much as they hate it. Yeah. And can be just as satisfied talking about all the amazing, insane, fun stuff that happened without ever going into yeah. the soul-crushing, being in a literal empty office that used to be bustling and just sitting around. <laughs> or being told to try and book Paris Hilton for a convention because we want to have that sideshow aspect of our show. That train wreck, I think. Yeah. We want to get into the train wreck business. Yeah, the positive things, again, is not a... Uh, this is not will not be a long story. I know you want to wrap it up, but like the, I'm confident the only reason I got hired at Wizard was purely because my interview was essentially going out to eat at uh, Casa del Mar, the Italian restaurant <laughs> yeah. nearby. And they're like, okay, well, we've had the brief part of the interview, and me and Doug Goldstein, and I think Matt Senreich, we got in a car. They took me out to lunch, and on the way there, Doug Goldstein turned to me. He's like, so. What's the best Star Trek series? And I looked at him, I said, well, Deep Space Nine. He's like, okay. And like, I could tell, he, like, we didn't talk anything else about, I could tell that that was the question. And I got that right. And that's, wow. If I had said Voyager, I would not be, have, not have any memories that's of That's amazing. So you would have gotten a call from a temp agency the next day. We got your resume. Uh, well, my whole interview took place... I mean, I didn't get the job as a research assistant because I went to Matt Powell, who was an intern. And then, like, a month later, Adam Tracy was being promoted out of Toy Fair to, be, to, start, running, to start running the conventions department like a magazine, basically, to, like, have it more be comic book focused, have people who knew comics up there, instead of just who was up there before, which was not comic book people. Um, and he needed, the, he needed the right-hand man. And Ethan Kay was friends with Adam... And so for Ethan's birthday, they all went to the bathhouses on St. Mark's. Um, and so, like, I went too, knowing that Adam from Wizard was going to be there. So basically, my pre-interview, or that might have, that was actually, like, my interview, basically, was just that day at the bathhouse. Amazing. <laughs> like, with Adam, and, like, talking to him, and, like, be, like, you know, seeing that we, like, got along really well. And then I did, like, a... 20 minute or less phone interview with Joey Anarella and then got the job. Like, <laughs> wow, it's a very laid back place, and that gave you it gave everyone there, from my experience, it gave me a lot of room to just do kind of whatever I wanted. It like I, I made up all this stuff for the website that I yeah. wanted to do, didn't get any flack, came up with all these programs. I got to invite creators that I thought would be good, like. It was fun. I mean, I got to host game show night at the Wizard World Cons. <laughs> Just because I was like, yeah, let's do an after-hour game show thing. Okay, cool. Like, it was really cool. I, uh... Yeah, that was great stuff. Like, I, I know, like, when you're in your... It, it was it was weird, because there were some times where you were really micromanaged. Oh, yeah. And I spent, like, two years... Again, I'm under someone I'm not sure I want to talk about. Because <laughs> I will just keep talking about them. But having... <laughs> 
like every day they they came to me. They're like, "Well, we want you at the end of every day to write up everything that you did." Was that towards that was I had to do that? that oh, was, this was near the beginning for me. Oh wow! They were like, we it want was... you to write down everything you've done and provide a report. And I started doing that, and then I started realizing I was like, "Wait a second! I need to test how much they care about this because they have stopped caring about things before." I bet they'll stop caring about this. So I started doing it every other day, and then every week. And then I, so many things at Wizard I stopped doing just because I knew no one was going to check, so I would slowly stop doing it. They would do things like, they, oh, we want you to do reports like every week about what's hot or what's not, so that the upstairs people would know yep. about what's going on. And then, again, like... I'll just start doing it every other week. Yeah. Sorry, I'm a little busy. They used to send me out. I still cannot believe it. <laughs> they used to send me out every month. They're like, we need to be talking to comic book stores. So we want you every day to call three or four comic book stores and write reports about what's hot and what's not. And I would say, well, you know, they're all getting stuff from Diamond. They're getting, like, four action figures come out from this market. They're not the people that are really saying. They've got those figures and that's really it yeah and they're like we don't care we want you to call we want you to maintain this giant database because they had this old database of old stores <laughs> that most of the time we were way out of business and so same thing i would <laughs> i started doing them and i slowly stopped doing them and then no one cared but then they came to me and they're like well they didn't mention that, but they're like, we want you to start going to stores. And I'm like, well, how? what do you mean go to stores? I'm like, <laughs> one day a month, uh, we want you to go in your car. They're making this up as they tell it to you. <laughs> <laughs> one, one day. This uh, is like an improv suggestion. Yeah, a month. <laughs> well, no, they, they said, look, we want you to go out to stores. Every One day a month, we'll pay you to get in your car, get a bunch of free stuff, and visit like three stores. Drive to the south part of New Jersey and visit stores, check prices, say, hey, you know, here's some free stuff. We just want to say hi and know that Wizard cares about you. So I would do this, and I... Good idea. Good, goodish it's, idea. It's not the worst idea. Until it's, you factor in man hours. Yeah. And then, so I'd go off on these weird trips, and I'd be, <laughs> I'd be out in like, the middle of Connecticut, and I'd be visiting stores. And I hated... I, I stopped calling them, because I'd call stores, and they're like... Why are you coming? <laughs> like we we don't care. They, thank you for calling. I guess. But, so I would just show up, and half the times I like I'd take trips into the city, and they'd reimburse. Like they actually would pay me to do this. That's good. So I'd go into Manhattan and visit St. Mark's Comics, and the guy there would be like, "Why are you here?" You want to know? Here are my toys. Like, stop bothering me, asking me what's selling or not. And but they would give me these all these prizes and like it, it was just somebody's idea like this is what we should be doing. It was the same thing with the the wizard conventions because they sent me to every wizard convention. Oh yeah, yeah. And part of my job was me and Ryan Panagos and uh, Jeremy Smith, yeah, who was the inquest <clears throat> price guide for the, the the cards. Our job was at cons. We would get there the first day. We'd rent a car. And drive around to local comic stops and do the same thing. And it never amounted to anything. And then our other job was we were each expected to go to every store and check prices at all of the con things. And you meet, make contacts, say hi to people, how are things selling. And I would, 
I would hit the big stores because I had a few stores that I knew that would give me good information. So yeah. I'd just be like, hey, how's it going? And I'd catch up just because they were my friends. Yeah. And then most of the time, uh, after about two hours, I'd get burned out, as you do at those cons, and I would just go back up to my hotel room and watch... <laughs> And inevitably, the biography episode of Benny Hill. <laughs> it was on every convention. I'd watch that, sit in air conditioning for an hour, and then go back down. What a that's that's epic. That is if there's if there's a better story to end on, I don't oh, I don't yeah. know what it is. I I want to do more. Maybe this is the first in an installment of Wizard Tales. <clears throat> plug uh, plug some stuff. Plug some stuff. What do you got going on? Got plugs. Uh, I got Sister Sex Wolf. It's oh, yeah. our improv team every week at the Secret Theater on Long Island City. Um, go to Facebook. Uh, look up the Queen Secret Improv. Club? I think so. Is you can also Se- look up Sister Sex Wolf and tell us why everyone in India is liking that page. It's yeah. very odd. It's why very is strange. That? I tried to look it up on Google and I still can't figure it out. Yeah, I don't know if I'm just like, do we do it at India's Google? Yeah, it's, is there like a character in a Bollywood movie right now? Named Sister Sex Wolf. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. The character anyway. in Kadang too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and uh, another plug, check out Marvel Superheroes What the Marvel's uh Comedy yeah. web series that's done by Alex Kropenak, who we mentioned earlier yeah, before. And yeah. We didn't even get into that. Yeah, well, that's a future, I guess. We'll do yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where I voice Doctor Strange. Yeah. And I am incredibly proud of that. I am the voice of Doctor Strange. <laughs> you are. You know what's awesome about that? And, and uh, you know, this is something that you should certainly pat yourself on the back for, is that when people hear a voice for a character that they've never heard a voice before for the first time, that's usually the voice that they will always hear in their head. Everyone will always associate one voice with a character in a comic book when they read it going forward. And somewhere, somewhere there are people that heard your voice (laughs) as Doctor Strange and you will forever be in their minds as Doctor Strange. Yeah, I blame that on the fact that there has not been a good iconic version of Doctor Strange. It's already there. You did it. Does it no, you, you did, did it. it. You got it. You did it. I it's, don't. It's... What? No. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming uh, and being on the old show. Yeah, um, hope you had a good time, man. We had a great time talking to you. Oh, yeah. Hope I wasn't too long-winded. No. Medium-winded. Good-winded. No, medium-winded. Good-winded. Uh, good-winded good is a good way to say it. Uh, listeners, go out and check out Gotham Central uh, issues 6 through 10. They're on Comixology. Um, the Half-A-Life story arc. It's an amazing story arc. Uh, we'll be back next week talking about that. With Nicole Dressel and Anna Rubinova. Until then... To- Yes, until then, you can go to mattandbrettlovecomics.com. Please tell every single person you know about this podcast. That would be Peaches and Keen. Yeah. Uh, you can check out the back issues and go to our website. You can get all of our Twitter handles and talk to us. Yeah, jump on Facebook. Uh, yeah. Say hello to us. Give us a suge- some suggestions. Those of you that have already suggested things to us, we want to let you know that those are in the hopper. We will be reading those soon, and thank you for them. Yes. And thanks to our producer, Ben Regeeb. And until next time... This is Matt. This is Brett. And I don't know if you know this, but we... We love comics? We, no, with a period. We love, we comics. love comics. Not an exclamation. I'll let you boy. Yeah. <laughs> the point is